Welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 39, Sign Seeking. Hello, my friends. All right, we have just one section this week. And it is, as usual, when we have only one or two sections, it's a heavier doctrinal one. This section takes place just a couple days after Joseph and that large group of missionaries we talked about last week was returning to Ohio. And Joseph was still feeling like from that trip, there was a lot of contention within that group toward one another and toward him and just general disunity. And also when he returned, he learned that there were a fair amount of people who left the church while he was gone to Missouri. So I'm sure that there was a significant amount of discouragement going on in his heart and in his mind as he returned. This section includes, like I said, a lot of doctrine. And then at the end, it includes some practical direction for the saints. And as usual, I am going to focus on just a few verses. So section 63, verses 7 through 12. And he that seeketh signs shall see signs, but not unto salvation. Verily I say unto you that there are those among you who seek signs, and there have been such even from the beginning. But behold, faith cometh not by signs, but signs follow those that believe. Yea, signs cometh by faith, and not by the will of men, nor as they please, but by the will of God. Yea, signs come by faith unto mighty works, for without faith no man pleaseth God, and with whom God is angry he is not well pleased. Wherefore, unto such he showeth no signs, only in wrath unto their condemnation. Wherefore I, the Lord, am not pleased with those among you who have sought after signs and wonders for faith, and not for the good of men unto my glory. I want to touch really quickly on how tempting it must have been, especially in those early days of the church, to ask for signs, a signal that you were doing the right thing, that this was really all true. I'm sure that is really tempting. And it's even tempting for us now to want Heavenly Father to give us this big grand sign. I think some of us, as we're seeking for a testimony, I think one of the the problems that people that I have known who have lost their testimony or um, people that I that I hear about talking about these things, they want this sure sign that God is real, that God is listening to them, that that the scriptures are true. They want something big and miraculous. And there is a sure sign, a sure witness we can get of the Holy Ghost, but that only comes through asking with a sincere heart, with real intent and faith in Christ. And so if your first priority, if your first feeling you're having isn't coming from faith, that witness might not come. It won't come, actually, because first comes faith. So if there are areas in your testimony that you're trying to grow, um, whether that be a basic part of your testimony or if that be questions you might have, I think it's important to make sure that we're not asking for a sign, a miraculous witness proving to us outside of the Holy Ghost that these things are real. We need to follow the direction given to us, which is to ask in faith with a sincere heart and real intent. And that witness will come. But when we are asking Heavenly Father for signs, like he owes us something, he owes us a sign, he owes it to us to prove his existence. 
that's just not how it works. And it's not the way Heavenly Father has asked us to do it. All right. So signs. Another word that I think of, and I think there are a lot of different kinds of signs, but all signs to me, whether large or small, are miracles. And what do we know about them based on these verses? Number one, it has been common from the beginning that man seeks signs and miracles. It was common back in biblical days. It was common during Jesus's time. It was common in the Book of Mormon. It was common in the early saints days, and it is common now. We have many examples of this in the scriptures. One example that I always think of when you think of of signs is Korahor, who is described in the Book of Mormon as an antichrist. He preached to the people that they were foolish to believe in Christ. And he was really causing a stir among the Nephites. And he was brought before Alma and the chief judge after spouting off his evil doctrine. And he said this, Now Korahor said unto him, I do not deny the existence of a God, but I do not believe that there is a God. And I say also that ye do not know that there is a God, and except ye show me a sign, I will not believe. Now Alma said unto him, This I will give unto thee for a sign, that thou shalt be struck dumb according to my words. And I say that in the name of God ye shall be struck dumb, that ye shall have no more utterance. Now when Alma had said these words, Korahor was struck dumb, and he could not have utterance according to the words of Alma. This particular sign was given without faith. There wasn't faith in anything that Korahor said, and yet he was given a sign. And I think that that was for the benefit of the people, the people that he had persuaded otherwise, because there was pretty much nothing else that could be done that could convince Korahor that his ways were wrong. And what do we see happen to Korahor? He, his curse was not removed from him. He asked for that sign and he was stuck with that consequence. And he had to go around the kingdom begging for, for food. And the people saw that and they were convinced that their ways, the ways that Korahor had converted them to were wrong. And that was the purpose of that sign. And I love how this chapter ends. It says, and thus we see the end of him who perverteth the way of the Lord. And thus we see that the devil will not support his children in the last days, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. Now, there are many more examples that I could give in the scriptures, and it's pretty logical that this is something that has been common from the beginning. We are mortal. We do not remember the preexistence. We don't currently have Jesus Christ in front of us, and we are asked to exercise faith. That is why we are here. We are here to learn to put aside our own wisdom, our own logic, and have faith to understand and really accept that his ways truly are higher than our ways. But sometimes that feels like a pretty big ask, right? So it makes sense that throughout the history of the world, an easy temptation is for man in his frustration to ask for a sign, to prove it to me. Or maybe not even in frustration, in pride, in arrogance, in thinking that we know more than that being who created us. Now, in some ways, I think that it can be, it is possible for it to be a good thing to be a sign seeker. Now, I don't think in the same way that Korahor was a sign seeker, but 
we are told that signs will occur and have occurred to denote certain events. The birth of Christ, the death of Christ, signs of the second coming. And that's today. So we currently are watching for signs that we are told will continue to happen as the Lord's second coming approaches. And that is a completely different kind of sign seeking because we aren't asking for the Lord to prove it to us, hopefully. We maybe if we're seeking those signs just to get the Lord to prove it to us, maybe that won't be all that beneficial for us. But being anxious, being excited for those signs to appear, that's a good thing. We are told to watch so that we understand and know what is going on. It can help quell our fears and our anxiety as we see what's going on because it's going to get pretty intense. And those signs can be a comfort to us, but it will not create or support faith that is not there. So if you're waiting to see signs, if anybody you know is waiting to see signs so that they can believe that it's really happening, that it really everything is really actually true, that will not support their or your faith. And that brings me to the second thing that we learn from this, these scriptures that I read. Signs do not denote salvation. One of the clearest examples of this is Laman and Lemuel. They saw an angel who commanded them not to rebel against their brother Nephi, who is a leader to be a leader over them. Then they continued to rebel against Nephi because he was a ruler over them and they didn't like that. And then they were shocked by the power of the Lord. And then they watched him build a boat miraculously. And then they were led by the Liahona across the ocean. And they were saved by the Lord on the ocean after they were being wicked. They witnessed so many miracles, personally, amazing ones. And yet over and over again, we see that they continue to fall away. So number three, what we learn from these scriptures, seeing signs and miracles do not create faith. So they don't denote salvation, nor do they create faith. In December 1994, Enzyme, Jonathan H. Stevenson, who was a curriculum writer for the church educational system, answered some questions about signs. He says, signs can help the weak in faith begin to develop faith in God. It is also interesting to note instances in which divine signs seem to have preceded belief in the Lord, thereby giving unbelievers convincing cause to believe. But, though the convincing evidence of signs and miracles can nurture the desire one may have in his heart to believe, a sign or miracle cannot be the sole basis of faith in the Lord and a testimony of his gospel. Going back to Laman and Lemuel, they clearly didn't have this great unshakable faith that then allowed them to see these amazing signs and wonders. But we do see some evidence of faith on their part. They did follow their father into the wilderness. And we see a few examples in there where there's like a little, there's a little bit of faith there, a little bit of testimony there. And perhaps the Lord was giving them a chance to nurture that desire to believe or whatever they had. But it clearly was not enough to sustain their testimonies, even seeing those miracles, even even having that inkling of desire, because there's a lot of agency that happens along the way in nurturing that desire to believe, nurturing those witnesses that they had received. And we don't really know exactly what went on in their hearts that made that not be enough. But clearly, these miracles, these witnesses cannot be the sole basis of our faith. 
So number four, what we can learn from these scriptures in Doctrine and Covenants. Signs follow those who believe. For the most part, the signs and miracles we see in the scriptures follow those who have faith or come as a signal for those who desire to believe. Now, a lot of the miracles that Laman and Lemuel were allowed to witness might have had, probably did, have a whole lot to do with the faith of those around him, those in his family. And I'm sure that the Lord and Laman and Lemuel's family hoped that those miracles would spur some sort of faith in them and a desire to be stronger and to be more firm in the commandments of the Lord. And it clearly didn't work. But I just want to point out really quick the powerful effect that having faith can have on those around you. I know that I have people in my life who I would love for them through me, through maybe my faith, to witness a miracle like that because maybe it would help them. Now, we are told that we will see some signs and miracles as the Lord's second coming approaches. But I have a feeling that the signs and miracles will only be obvious to those who already believe or have a sincere heart and a desire to believe. President Nelson tells us, Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. Think of those words, mightiest works, miraculous indications. The Lord has done some pretty mighty works since the creation of the world. So what kind of incredible things will we get to witness? I, for one, am so excited. But the reason that I say that I don't think these signs will be obvious to everyone is because President Nelson says immediately following that statement, he says, but in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. My beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Doesn't it almost seem contradictory that we will see some of his mightiest works and miraculous indications, maybe some things like what Laman and as, as amazing as what Laman and Lemuel were able to see, and yet it will also be impossible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, and comforting and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. If these works are going to be so mighty an indication, so miraculous, wouldn't we just all believe? Wouldn't we just all be convinced? I think, like he says up here, it will come down to our spiritual capacity to receive revelation so that we will recognize them for what they are. Number five, what we learn from these scriptures, signs come by faith. Even the signs I can think of that were available for anyone to see typically originated from a people or person of faith. We've been talking about Laman and Lemuel and how those signs, those miracles originated from the faith of his family, of those who are righteous in his family. I think about Moses parting the Red Sea. It wasn't just the Israelites that saw Moses part the Red Sea. Don't you think that the Pharaoh and his soldiers might have been converted? They saw him part the Red Sea. They saw the Israelites walking on dry ground, and yet they were too consumed with their anger and their pride to soften their hearts. 
It was the faith of Moses and the Israelites and the will of God that caused the Red Sea to part. And those who had no faith or desire to believe didn't benefit from it, even though they saw that incredible miracle. In fact, a lot of those who saw it firsthand, saw it up close, died. So number six, signs do not come because of the will of man. And then going along with that, signs only come through the will of God. The will of man is utterly, ultimately powerless unless it is aligned with God's will. This made me think of Helaman chapter 10 when Nephi is feeling discouraged because the people won't listen to his calls to repent and he's walking back to his house and pondering what had happened. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, Blessed art thou Nephi for those things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unwearyingness declared the word which I have given unto thee unto this people. And thou hast not feared them and has not sought thine own life, but has sought my will and to keep my commandments. And now because thou hast done this with such unwearyingness, behold, I will bless thee forever. And I will make thee mighty in word and in deed and in faith and in works. Yea, even all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, for thou shalt not ask anything which is contrary to my will. Nephi was given the power to work miracles, but he was only given that power because the Lord knew that he would not ask for anything which was contrary to his will. Nephi had that unshakable faith first, not just to be able to witness miracles, but actually be able to perform them himself because the Lord knew that Nephi's will was aligned with his own. We are nothing. Our will is nothing unless it is aligned with the Lord. And then and only then does it have power when he gives it to us. All right, nine, mighty works are possible through faith. So after Nephi is given this power from the Lord to perform mighty miracles, the Lord then goes on to describe some of the mighty works that Nephi could perform in order to humble the people. And keep in mind that all of these things that he can do are all with the purpose of either humbling the people or destroying them before they can do any more damage to their spirits and their levels of accountability. The Lord says, Behold, thou art Nephi, and I am God. Behold, I declared unto thee in the presence of my angels that ye shall have power over this people and shall smite the earth with famine and with pestilence and destruction according to the wickedness of this people. Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever ye shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And thus shall ye have power among this people. And thus, if ye shall say unto this temple, it shall be rent in twain, it shall be done. And if he shall say unto this mountain, Be thou cast down and become smooth, it shall be done. And behold, if ye shall say that God shall smite this people, it shall come to pass. This reminds us that there is nothing that the Lord cannot do. Sometimes I look out my window and I look at the mountain next to me. And since it's kind of a more common um, miracle saying that the Lord could command that the, the mountain should be cast down and be flat or be a valley and it will be done. I look out my window and I see those mountains and man, that is hard to wrap your, your mind around. I have big mountains right next to my house. And to imagine that the Lord has the power to command the earth in that way. It's just incredible. 
So number 10, those who do not have faith do not please God. In Gospel Topics, it says this about faith. The Apostle Paul taught that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Alma made a similar statement. If ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. Faith is a principle of action and power. Whenever we work toward a worthy goal, we exercise faith. We show hope for something that we cannot yet see. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In order for faith to lead to salvation, it must be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can exercise faith in Christ when we have an assurance that he exists, a correct idea of his character, and a knowledge that we are striving to live according to his will. Having faith in Jesus Christ means relying completely on him, trusting in his infinite power, intelligence, and love. It includes believing his teachings. It means believing that even though we do not understand all things, he does, because he has experienced all of our pain, afflictions, and infirmities, and he knows how to help us rise above our daily difficulties. He has overcome the world and prepared the way for us to receive eternal life. He is always ready to help us as we remember his plea, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. I was talking to someone recently, and they were talking to me about how they didn't understand a particular stance that the Lord has on a certain topic that I won't go into at this time. But it's something that doesn't quite make sense to me either, honestly. But I love the part in what we just read that says, it means believing that even though we do not understand all things, he does. So even more than I feel a little confused as to why things have to be a certain way, I also know that my mortal perspective is so incredibly inadequate and that his is so much better than mine. And so for now, that's good enough for me. I believe that even though I don't understand all things, I firmly believe that he does. And that is part of being here, part of having faith and being humble enough to accept that we do not know all things and that that is okay. Number 11, God does not want us to seek after signs in order to attain faith. Now, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why Heavenly Father doesn't want us to do that. One of which is when we request or require signs, we're not really being humble and being full of faith when we do that. But also, this is a merciful request from God. God knows that we cannot achieve salvation or the growth necessary or have our hearts adequately changed through basing our testimonies on signs. But as we talked about before, we also know that the Lord uses signs to confirm our faith and to communicate with us. Number 12, it does please him if we seek signs and miracles through faith for the good of men unto his glory. This is an interesting one and one where you'd really have to know where your heart is when you're asking for a sign or a miracle. Because I know that, like, for instance, I think really off the top of my head, the brother of Jared, he asked for the Lord to light up some rocks. That's a pretty sweet sign. And... So ultimately, nothing will happen that is not the will of God. But I do believe if we seek signs coming from a place of faith and we desire to glorify God and affirm our faith, that is something that I think that he will grant if it is his will. 
And just like we talked about before, about the Lord performing some of his mighty miracles between now and when he comes again, those signs, those are signs that are worth seeking. But we will only be able to truly see them and recognize them for what they are if we are in tune with the Spirit and we desire to glorify God and anticipate his coming. I think that signs in general can be a wide range of things. They can be simple and small, something that other people might chalk up to coincidence, but they're a witness that God is in the details of our lives. And then it can range all the way to miracles of enormous proportion. And for most of us, I think that we have experienced the first small miracles, tender mercies that testify to us that God is there and really knows us. And for those kinds of miracles, it's important that we really cherish them and we really continue to nurture our spirit and our testimonies. Because just like I said, other people might chalk those things up to coincidence. But when your spirit can feel it in the moment, you know that those things are from God. And if we stay close and we continue to treasure those experiences and stay close to the spirit, that's something that we will always be able to remember. But if we don't, if we stray far from him, eventually our brains are going to convince us that it didn't mean anything. I want to tell you guys about a story of a miracle that happened in my life. A few years ago, after we were married, my husband gave me a small diamond necklace for Valentine's Day. It is one of my most prized possessions. It is the first piece of jewelry that he ever gave me since my wedding ring, and for some reason... My young girl heart had always dreamed and thought it was so romantic for someone to give me a thoughtful necklace. I have always been very careful with this necklace, but a few years later, I lost it one day. In this particular house we were living in, if I took it off, I put it in a very purposeful place. I always hung it on a certain um, rung in my closet where my jewelry was kept. And one day I went to put it on and realized that it wasn't there. I immediately became worried because I was always so careful and I couldn't think of where else it would be. I started to search everywhere that I could think of. I searched for well over an hour and gradually I started to get more and more worried and teary and feeling like I wasn't ever going to find it. And it seems silly, but this necklace was really special and important to me. And it's surprising to me when I think back on this experience that I didn't think of this before. But after an hour of looking, I finally decided to kneel down and pray. I walked over to the side of our bedroom in an area that I never really walked and knelt down and told Heavenly Father that even though I knew that the necklace ultimately was not important, that it meant a lot to me and that I really wanted to find it. I asked him to help me please find it. And the moment that I opened my eyes, my eyes rested on my knees in front of me. Right in front of my knee was the diamond necklace, on the floor, as if someone had carefully laid it there for me to find. What are the chances that I would have knelt with my knee precisely pointing to my lost necklace? Now, are you ready for the real miracle? I immediately wanted to tell someone of my amazing witness that God was there and aware of my silly problems. I picked up the phone and I called someone very close to me. After I told her this story, she told me that in that moment, she was crying in her car, praying to the Lord, asking him if he was really there and if he really heard her. The Lord did some pretty efficient work there. Not only did he testify to me, 
that he heard me and basically delivered my necklace immediately as I closed my prayer. But he also answered someone else's prayer, a prayer that was more deeply needed. And he gave them an answer through my answer. The Lord is all around us in the details of our lives. Faith is not created by signs, but signs will follow those that believe. The Lord wants to show you that he is here and he is listening. And our prophet has promised us that we will see mighty works and miraculous indications that the Lord is leading this church. Let's do what the prophet has asked us to do and increase our spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Because through revelation, through the Spirit, those works and those indications will be unmistakable. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.